Hey everyone, before we start today's episode, it was brought to our attention that there is some triggering content in it with some mentions of some suicidal thoughts. And so if this is content that is triggering for you, we recommend that maybe you skip this episode or you just, you are aware that may be coming up and you can skip it. Again, we missed this on our first go around and we are so, so sorry. Thank you so much to the listener that brought this to our attention. We feel very strongly about creating a safe space for everybody. So again, thank you to the listener that brought this to us. So that way we can give a warning for those of you that need it and want it. We are here for all of you. Welcome to The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best version of themselves each and every day. We came together to create this Uni Hub, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing tips and tricks from experts, we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and to show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community at the Spoonie Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, donate to our nonprofit to help provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and be able to transcribe our podcast to make it more accessible for all. To learn more, visit our show notes. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Vital Fields, a new partnership with us that we're thrilled about. Vital Fields energy cells are subtle energy fields, 100% natural, that help transfer energy and information across the body's living systems, such as your cells, organs, and microorgans, so the body's cells can repair and regenerate post-damage. By applying the cell on your body at the pain site, your body absorbs therapeutic, custom-made frequencies to help your body's cells communicate better for higher regeneration without chemical ingredients. Cassie and I spent like five minutes, if not longer, trying to figure out how to describe these little things to you because they're just really cool. Like it's literally this little slim like silicone patch looking thing that you put on your body with a non-irritating adhesive and it makes your problems disappear. Well, at least some of them. (laughs) Cassie and I are both very skeptical when it comes to miracle things that help your body feel better, but we got to say these things freaking work. (laughs) And not only did they work for us, did we notice differences in how our bodies felt, but these results have also been confirmed in lab tests for those of you people out there like me that need things confirmed by science. We tried both the anti-inflame energy cell and the no pain energy cell, and we each switched um, back and forth so that we could both try each of them. And we really wanted the other one back, whichever one 
the other person had. And I really loved the anti-inflame energy cell, especially because I just overall felt less puffy. My pants fit more comfortably. My underwear wasn't tight. I would wake up and my joints didn't feel as stiff. And I noticed overall throughout the day that my fatigue was a little improved and even my bowel movements. I really, truly felt less inflamed when wearing the anti-inflame energy cell. And I felt the same thing with the anti-inflame. And I also loved the no pain cell. Literally, before sitting down to record this podcast ad, I had some back pain. And so I put on my no pain energy cell. And I kid you not all, my back pain has gone away. It's amazing. It's miraculous. I love it. These things are just, they're so easy just to put on. And they really do help you feel better. And because they work... And for how long they last, which is like six months, they are really affordable. We're so excited to announce that we are now ambassadors, which means that you get a sweet 15% discount on their energy cells when you use the code SpooniesUnite, which means that you can get one energy cell, the anti-inflame or no pain for just over $100, which lasts you for six months, mind you. Or you could get both for about 180 and it doesn't include tax or shipping, but 100% I'm going to be buying whichever one Chelsea says she won't give me back. <laughs> yes, we both want both of these because they're both so amazing. And so if you're buying either one, you're going to get it for about $15 a month, which that's nothing in the pain management world. Or if you're buying both, it's about $30 a month to just feel better. I mean, seriously, where can you get that for any other products? If you're interested in purchasing these super, super amazing and very, very helpful and effective energy cells, go to vitalfield.com and make sure you use the code SpooniesUnite to get that 15% discount. It will really make a difference in your lives. And enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness, where we have another fantastic freaking fantastic interview for you with the one and only Carrie Jeffrey. Carrie is a clinical hypnotherapist, counselor, and life coach working exclusively online with clients all over the world to help them overcome the complex emotional issues of living with chronic illness using her unique therapy programs. Carrie lives with four autoimmune diseases, Hashimoto's, celiac, anti phospholipid syndrome, and most recently type 1 diabetes. When she developed Hashimoto's over six years ago, Carrie was physically and cognitively disabled with no idea if she would live or ever be able to work and support herself and her family again. Recognizing that the profound emotional and psychological impacts of chronic illness go completely acknowledged by the medical community, Carrie created Moving Through the Grief of Chronic Illness, which takes the reader through the key emotional responses and challenges that are part of the process of adapting to life with chronic illness. This ebook is a free resource that is available by joining her VIP email list on her website. Carrie's emotional autoimmunity podcast speaks to the key emotional challenges that we face living with chronic illness, including guilt, trauma, how to speak with others about your chronic illness and her own experiences. She lives in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia with her 19 year old son and loves walking, reading a great fantasy series and dancing in the kitchen. 
Cassie and I had an amazing time talking to Carrie. Her story left us both literally just staring at our screens with our jaw hanging open, processing everything she was telling us. It will make everyone out there who has experienced medical gaslighting and having to advocate for yourself feel very heard. And she has a great example of how advocating for yourself can be very, very important. And make sure you listen all the way to the end because the last Mm -hmm. five or 10 minutes, Carrie dropped some serious gold and you need to listen to it. Maybe even twice. Or three it's, times. This it's was good. a really good. great freaking podcast episode. So listen to it all. Let us know what you think and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show Living with a Chronic Illness. Today, Cassie and I are joined by Carrie Jeffrey. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Chelsea and Cassie. It's so good to meet up with you girls. Yay! Well, Carrie, will you start off by telling our listeners all about yourself, your story, and how you've gotten to where you are today? Okay. Well, I live in Melbourne, Australia, so it's always fun organizing these things. It's 7 o'clock in the morning for me on Tuesday, so um, my story. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon in Central Standard Time for Cassie and I, so I love that you're coming to us from the future. It's so fun. Yes, exactly. And the future is good. The future is good. Yay! (laughs) All right, your story. So I really had very little knowledge about chronic illness at all. It was not on my radar until it happened to me. And I think that's what happens with most people. And though I have a cousin um, with Graves' disease and I knew that she was really, really sick with it and she became disabled, it was like, oh, yeah, I had all the empathy but just no understanding about what it's like. And then about just over six years ago, I got what I thought was a really bad flu. And I was one of those people that never got sick. So hello, it should have been a sign, like, you know, overactive (laughs) immune system already going on. And um, I just continued to get worse and worse and worse and worse until the point I was actually sitting on the couch one day and I fell over sideways. I couldn't hold my body up. Um, And then I'd gain this massive amount of weight all around my waist. Uh, My hair started falling out. My face, like, started swelling up with fluid. My eyelids were resting down on top of the lashes and were all swollen. I didn't even look like myself. It was one of those moments where you look in the mirror and you think, I don't even recognise this person. And I'll never forget the look on my father's face when he came over and I opened the door because he just looked so shocked. And so I made an appointment with my doctor and he sent me off for some blood tests. And I was feeling like death. I actually was feeling like I was dying. And um, he rang me the next day, which was pretty amazing, and said, look, Kerry, I know what you've got. It's very easy to treat, you know, come in and we'll get you sorted. I'm thinking, oh, thank God, it's some sort of really bad virus, something like that. And I went in and, oh, he told me on the phone that um, my thyroid had failed. And I thought, oh, thyroid failed. So I started doing a little bit of research and thyroid failed equals hypothyroid so we're sitting there and he just said, um, your thyroid's dead. Basically, uh, we don't know why it happens. It, it just happens to some people. We're going to put you on thyroid hormone replacement. You're going to have to get used to your new normal. And I was sitting there like barely able to breathe or function. I was in so much pain that I was disabled. I hadn't been able to work. I could barely think. 
my whole voice had changed so it was really deep and I sounded like I was drunk so I was slurry I had brain fog so I I knew what I wanted but I couldn't think of the word and it was something simple like salt so I would have to point to what I wanted because if the words just wouldn't come I felt like um all of my back was just on fire and in pain. Like the soles of my feet felt like someone had bashed them with a steel pipe. They just felt bruised and swollen and I was a mess. And for him just to say, except you knew normal, I just thought, God, I feel like I'm dying and you're not yeah, going to help me. Yeah, that sounds like way more than a thyroid issue. To, I mean, I am not a doctor or a medical expert in any way, shape or form. But that just sounds like way more than a thyroid issue to me. Well, and plus, like, talk about hopeless you know just like you know hey this is this is life now accept it moving on I mean that's not encouraging at all or hopeful or feeling supported or cared for it was devastating absolutely devastating Cassie because like I'd seen these doctors, it was a husband and wife team. And like I said, I rarely went to the doctors, but I'd been in and out of there for like 10 years with my children. So they knew me very well and they mm-hmm. knew I was a no-nonsense sort of practical person and they knew what I looked like normally and how I functioned. And like I'm sitting there saying, how can a major organ just fail? That doesn't make sense. Like why would that happen? He said, we don't know. And I said, is there anything else I can do? Not that I'm aware of. And then he told me I had Graves' disease. And I'm like, hang on, my cousin's got Graves' disease. I know that's overactive. I've got the opposite of that. Isn't that Hashimoto's? So then he had an argument with me about that. And I knew when I walked out of there, it was going to be up to me. Like, he was not going to help me. And if somebody thinks that disabled, when you've seen somebody who's been vibrant and healthy go to disabled and you just say, get used to your new normal, I thought this, the only person who's going to save me is me. Um, And that's the way it is. And so he just gave me levothyroxine. Um, When I got a copy of my test results, which luckily I was able to get from them, I saw that my TSH was 118 Um, My thyroid levels were basically non-existent and you do need thyroid hormones to function because every cell in our body has a receptor for T3. It's like one of the powerhouses of the cells. So, um, and I knew that people could actually die from it. You could go into a coma. If you get bad enough, you can go into a coma and die. And I think I was pretty close to that. So I started looking uh, for someone who would help me And uh, it was one of those serendipitous sort of moments because I joined this Facebook thyroid support group and I was mentioning that one of the issues I had that my toes were really swollen and somebody came in and said, oh, um, I've got that. That's actually how my naturopath diagnosed my Hashimoto's because my toes were swollen. I'm like, wow, I'm looking for a naturopath. It happened that she lived um, in a suburb near me And the naturopath wasn't far away, which was amazing because most of the sport groups I'm in tend to be either US dominated or, you know, there's very few Australians in there. So, you know, the chances of finding someone who lived near me with someone who was accessible to me was very slim. So, and I never heard from her again. Uh, It was just like (laughs) she was a little angel that was dropped in. And so from my naturopath, he gave me the name of this doctor. He didn't know her, but said, he'd heard she was quite good 
So I made an appointment with her and just sort of sat down with her and said, look, I, I'm, this is what I have. I know what I want to do. I want to try this thyroid replacement that it's not on the PBS. Um, I've done a lot of research. I'm looking for someone who's going to partner with me. I want to get the best possible health that I can. And she said, I have no issues with that. So that was sort of the beginning of me recovering my health from there. So going from physically and cognitively disabled, like my worst case scenario was if I can't get better and basically both of my doctors just said, look, this is going to be a long recovery. And my second doctor said, you are dangerously ill, Kerry. You literally could die. Do not walk fast. Do not exert yourself. You are the worst Hashimoto's patient I have ever seen. And so in a way that was like validation, like dangerously ill because I knew there was something bad and I felt like I was dying. But at the same time, like, oh, my God, (laughs) dangerously ill. Like, and nobody could tell me what was going to be possible. Like, they couldn't even tell me if I'd be able to recover. So my worst-case scenario would be that I would have to give up uh, the rental property that we're in and put everything in storage. My eldest son would move out. My youngest son would have to go and live with his dad. And I would have to move in with my own elderly father and try and apply for some form of disability which is here in Australia, as I understand the cases in the US, it's really hard to get and -hmm. it's really hard to prove. So I was looking down the barrel of that future in my mid-50s and up until then, like, I had everything planned out in my life and everything was going great and I was in the middle of writing a book and I started to become well-known as, you know, a therapist dealing with the adult children of toxic parents and helping them overcome all of that sort of stuff. So I was starting to really, you know, get this expert status going on and then, boom, I'm game over. Um, No idea. And it was like the universe had just come down and just wiped my life off the table and all that was left was this uncertainty. And then along the way, you know, we tested for celiac disease and, I had that as well. And then in the last six months, I ended up being hospitalized in the ICU with type 1 diabetes, which I had no idea that adults could get. I wrongly thought that it was a juvenile disease, but I should have known because it is autoimmune. So I'm now getting used to being insulin dependent, type 1 diabetic. So it's been quite a journey. Wow. I mean, for everyone listening, both cast are just sitting here with our mouths open trying to process. I know. I was kind of like, I, I know. I, I told myself, I was like, am I breathing? You know, because I'm like, wow. Like, Carrie, you like seeing you on, and I know everyone listening can't see you, but you have this very calm energy mm-hmm. about you, this very confident, this very like put together. You, I mean, we talk about this all the time you would never know looking at you Mm -hmm. that you've been through all this, some of them fairly recently, like the hospitalization for type one diabetes sounds very, very recent, but you still, you seem to have overcome that with this positive outlook on life. Mm -hmm. I've got gained a lot of tools and skills over the years. So I was a therapist before all of this happened to me. And one of the biggest shocks for me, because I think I was born to be a counsellor. Like I just, I've always wanted to help people in emotional pain all of my life. It's just been a passion of mine. And um, 
the biggest shock for me, which I know you guys will probably relate to, but when you got get chronic illness, it's like you've lost yourself, right? You've lost your old self, all of the things that you used to be able to do. And not only that, you've lost the future that you thought you were going to have. And there's now all that's replaced it is all this uncertainty, right? And unlike other illnesses, like our model for illness is you get sick and you get better or you get sick and you die. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no real understanding in our communities or in our conversations about this whole area where we are, which is chronic illness, which is ongoing and often progressive. So I needed some way to deal with this radical change in my life and all of the uncertainty that came along. So I started looking online for some sort of emotional help or psychological help or, you know, the emotions of chronic illness. And there was nothing like there was nothing out there. In fact, even today, um, there are very few people who do therapy, especially the sort of therapy I do, that actually have chronic illness themselves and have been through the experience so they understand all of the emotional challenges and so I just started talking to people that I knew and spent a lot of time like crying because when I was first ill I just cried all the time and I'm not a crier (laughs) like I'm not a person who likes a public cry or anything I'm a very um, you know come across very confident and and all of that I'm actually a classic introvert so I tend to try and keep those things private. But I was just so low and so devastated and so lost. And it was like being dumped in the middle of a strange country without knowing the language, without a map and a compass and nobody to tell you what to do except take your thyroxin. That was it, take your thyroxin. And I ended up in hospital taking my thyroxine on heart monitors because one of the biggest um, issues I had with my thyroid levels so low was that it, um, my heart was having trouble continuing to function. It was fine. My heart was very healthy, no blockages, had everything checked. But the low levels of thyroid and my body being so low and being so dangerously ill Um, I would get like chest pain. So it would feel like a hand was squeezing my heart and then letting go and radiating chest pain. I was taken to hospital two or three times and it was always worse at the night. And you guys know what that's like. You know, at nighttime, you're lying there awake, everything's worse. And I was just losing my mind. My anxiety was just so high. I was experiencing rolling physiological panic attacks that are very different from emotional panic attacks because I'd had those um, in my younger years and learnt techniques and ways to deal with that. But I was having these ongoing panic attacks in my body that I could do nothing about, like I couldn't Mm -hmm. think my way out of them or talk my way out of them. Um, And I thought this is, I've got to find something that I can do to help myself and that's basically where all of my techniques and all of my therapies and stuff started to to come from and then talking to other people like long people who'd had chronic illness for a long time and just saying how do you like how do you deal with it how do you wrap your mind around that the fact that so much has changed how do you deal with flares and from there I started researching more positive stories because 
um, this is probably your experience as well. When you first start doing your research, it is just a minefield of terror. Mm-hmm. Like you hear from people that have got your diseases and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're either wanting to commit suicide or they're disabled or they've got no quality of life or they're in despair or deep depression. And like I just didn't have the emotional resources to deal with that or be exposed to that. So I started searching for more positive people like so um, living well with chronic illness, topics like that. And that led me to Dr. Terry Walls and I saw her YouTube video on minding your mitochondria and that was how she changed her diet to help with her MS. And as a, you know, a doctor and a researcher, um, that really appealed to me and I thought, finally, somebody's giving me something I can do to help myself and that was when the great self-experiment began. Okay. I so much of what you were saying, I resonate with so much. I mean, I I found myself almost in tears with like a lot of what you said because Chelsea knows I I have really not been feeling good today all since the minute I woke up pretty much and even I was texting Chelsea and she even said, do we need to cancel our interview this afternoon? Because I was just like, I, I'm not sure if I can get through the day. And um, about an hour later, I was able to turn things around. And obviously, here we are. But I mean, a couple of things that really stood out to me from your story. Um, I really appreciate that you said when you get your chronic illness diagnosis or when you become chronically ill, because not everyone gets a diagnosis. But when that happens to you. Um, I have read so much about people grieving the loss of who they were and perhaps me being relatively young when I got my diagnosis, I, I didn't seem to feel as much of that grieving the loss of who I was, but the uncertainty of the future and the stress and grieving the loss of the future I thought I was going to have and the life I had planned out. I mean, you just hit the nail right on the head and it still is a constant practice. And I even was having a conversation with um, my stepdad and I, I can't even remember what we were talking about, but it came down to where I said, you know, I've been pretty good now. I, I let things go and I just kind of go with the flow. I'm pretty good about that because you never know what's going to happen. And I think it might've been in reference with the pandemic. Um, but he said, he's like, yeah, you are pretty, you know, you're pretty good at that. And I said, well, because living with a chronic illness, I don't know if I'm not going to be able to work in a couple months. I don't know what next year looks like. I don't know if I'm going to have to have surgery. I, I don't know. So I just sometimes do have to like live in the moment, try to plan in the sense of, I like to save financially. Cause I'm like, yeah, it could be that I can't work. That's exactly what happened last year. I was working a lot and I put money away because I was like, what if, and then this year, a lot of the time I've hardly been able to work. So, um, that really stuck out to me. And then finding a therapy or counseling professional who understands chronic illness themselves is huge. I didn't have that either until I moved to Kansas and I was looking on my, um, approved provider list on my insurance of counselors. And I stumbled upon one and I was just kind of like, I kind of liked the name of it. And I just like intuitively was like, I'm going to call this one. And I made an appointment and I just felt good about it. And in the first session, I was talking to the lady, giving her a little bit of my history. And she told me that, um, 
she doesn't usually share much about herself in her therapy sessions, but that she had overcome kidney cancer and had had a kidney transplant. And one of the medications that she was on um, to treat her uh, cancer was one of the chemotherapy medications that they were using to treat my Crohn's at the time. And I just started sobbing because I was like, oh my God, not only does she get what it's like to live with a chronic illness, but she's even been on the same medications. I hadn't met in person anyone who had. And so I, I said to her, oh my gosh, you know, do you feel that? Did you ever feel that feeling when you take Remicade of like, you feel like your body has been plugged into a plug socket and electricity and you're like, and like buzzing like your whole body. And she's like, yes, that's the worst. It would last for days. And I just started sobbing like, oh my God, she knows that feeling. And that sense of connection was a little bit life-changing for me in that moment, because just like you, I couldn't, I couldn't find community um, that I wanted. And it was so depressing sometimes to get on some of those Facebook groups or reach out. And it, um, it made me feel really hopeless. Then it made me feel guilty for feeling like my situation was difficult when someone else's might've been, it was just, it wasn't super healthy. And it's definitely part of why Chelsea and I have tried to do what we're doing is we really want to create an uplifting community, which doesn't mean that you can't be in your woes, but this is, one has to live with this illness. You have to learn how to overcome and have joy, like you said, and living well, and we need more tools and resources and help and guidance of how to do that, which is why we're here doing what we are today. Um, but gosh, your story is, I mean, heart-wrenching mm-hmm. to to go from that place where literally it was like kind of death was knocking and you said, uh-uh, I'm not letting you in. <laughs> and you kept going. That's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Um, I think that's, that's the reason I started Emotional Autoimmunity because nobody was talking about what it's really like. And I found that even though I got to meet um, a lot of fantastic people in the chronic illness community and a lot of, you know, the leaders and people that I admired who are really wonderful, I found that some of the people that I followed sort of once they reached a certain level and whether it was using a specific diet or whatever, they sort of stopped talking about their chronic illness, like it didn't impact their lives anymore. And so it stopped becoming inspirational, aspirational for me. And it started becoming, well, hang on, I've got this, I'm doing what they're doing. Why do I still feel so bad? Like, why am I still having flares? Why am I still not able to do what they're doing? And I think that's, you know, and that's a a big issue with a lot of the online support groups as well because if you deal with one or join one with like specific diets or specific beliefs whether it's a vitamin regimen or whether it's you know some sort of dietary protocol or iodine or whatever it is the people in there get so rigid that their way is the only way and so if you're not getting better you're not doing it right and so they'll attack you and put you down and so you've got to be very selective in how you dip in and out of groups so I quickly sort of learned to 
just go in, get the specific information that I wanted and then not engage or not share too much about anything else. Um, but it's more that that emotional ongoing thing, exactly what you were saying, Cassie, that every day becomes completely unpredictable. So at my worst, I could go through multiple changes a day. So I could wake up feeling good mm-hmm. an hour later, feel like I'm going to pass out and vomit and then, you know, come a little bit better and then be full of energy and then be exhausted and want to fall asleep and, you know, anything in between. And yeah, in like six hours, all of yeah, that can take yeah. place. <laughs> exactly. And now a similar sort of thing with the type 1 diabetes because um, it's, it's almost impossible to con- to do the work of a major organ, like to replace a pancreas with um, needles and injections of insulin. Um, no matter how determined or scientific or whatever it is, it's still challenging. And so, you know, low blood sugars can kill you, uh, literally, and high mm-hmm. blood sugars can cause, um, you know, organ damage. And, you know, for long-term people, that it has serious consequences. So I'm kind of glad that, the type 1 diabetes wasn't my first um, chronic illness or autoimmune disease that I got because I don't think I would have coped with it as well as I have. And the only reason that I'm coping with it is because of my previous experience and using all the tools and stuff that I teach mm. um, my clients and doing all of that work. Because when I got that, um, even that was atypical because for the Hashimoto's, I when I get my autoimmune diseases, I tend to seem to be running like pretty well functioning and then boom, like it's it's really serious because my doctor says I have this incredible tolerance for stuff. I don't know that I wouldn't say I'm like very tolerant to pain or anything like that. But she said that you just your body has a tendency to pretty much keep going normally until it just can't anymore. And so I had, with the type 1 diabetes, very atypical symptoms. So the normal symptoms of type 1 diabetes are like excessive thirst, excessive urination, uh, sweet smelling, breath, a lot of weight loss, headaches and things like that. I had none of those. It started with constipation, of all things, which is something that if you have Hashimoto's or celiac, as I do, gut issues and it's slowing down the digestive tract can be an ongoing issue, regardless of how good your diet is. So I just did what I normally did. I took my um, laxatives I got from my naturopath, but it didn't do the trick as it normally would. And it got worse and worse and worse to the point where I felt so sick I couldn't eat. I had no appetite. I had this terrible taste in my mouth all the time. Um, and then COVID was going on, right? So I couldn't see my doctor. It was all telehealth or phone consults. I started losing an enormous amount of weight very rapidly. And I had, prior to that, I'd changed my diet to carnivore and was feeling amazing, like the best I'd ever felt. And I, I reached a healthy weight and size and I was building muscle, feeling really great. And then this big decline started. And she sent me along for an x-ray and the x-ray showed that my left side colon was completely blocked. And we're like thinking, okay, that's the issue. Like you've got this really bad obstruction. Um, That's why you can't eat. But it got worse and worse to the point where the, the weight was literally melting off me and I became skin and bones and I couldn't get out of bed. And so um, I got my family to come and intervene and help me and, my son had to carry me out to the car and take me to emergency because I couldn't walk. 
And um, in there, eventually, after five days of intensive care, they said, you know, you've got type 1 diabetes. And I'm like, no, I've got a blocked bowel. Like, I've got an x-ray. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't have any of the signs of diabetes. And they start giving me insulin and they start wanting to give me all of these drugs. And so I'm having to advocate really strongly for myself. Doctors wouldn't talk to me. They would yell at me. Um, so I had some very terrible times and I was literally skin and bone and I lost a lot of muscle. So for the first time in my life, I was physically frail, Mm -hmm. um, like to the point I could barely walk because I had so little muscle in my body. Um, and that, that was a real challenge to overcome that. So it took a second round of hospital for me to finally get the evidence I needed, which was antibodies, the diabetic antibodies, to say, okay, now I'm willing to accept it. You've given me the right information. I'm just going to, you know, this is what I've got. I've got to, it's up to me. I've got to do the best that I can to look after that. So that was literally four months ago. Gosh. I think it's Um, interesting that, like, (laughs) it took two hospital visits for the doctors to give you the antibodies or to, to show you the information that you had the type one diabetes antibody. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, why couldn't that have happened on the first round? Cause I, I totally understand yeah. coming from a place of, okay, you're telling me I have a diagnosis. You want me to take these medications. Do I really have to take these medications? Are you sure? I would be the same way. I'd be like, no, prove to me, show me the, the, data, the information that you're seeing that's making you think Mm. that I have type 1 diabetes, I'll just scream in my face saying you have it. I would want that proof too. Mm. And I just, it kind of blows my mind that doctors, that's not what they did the first time. It took two hospitals. Exactly. And they did explain, like they hadn't even run a test. They decided based on the ketones in my blood and my blood sugar level that that was their diagnosis. And I was like, hang on, I've been running on ketones for 12 months. Mm-hmm. I've been on a ve- you know, on a, a very low carbohydrate diet. I don't burn sugar, I burn ketones. I would expect to have high levels of ketone in my blood. I haven't been able to eat for literally three months. That's why I've lost weight. I've got an X-ray to show my bowel is blocked. Mm-hmm. So I had all of this evidence and as I'm arguing with this team of endocrinologists, like little frail me <laughs> in a wheelchair, little frail me with them yelling at me, um, they took away my thyroid hormones in the hospital because they didn't know what they were. Um, and I'm like, wait, what? How can you do that? Like, I, that, that is, I've got that. I've got a prescription for that. I've paid. I got that from a compounding chemist. It is a legal prescription for a diagnosis I actually have that has been proven that I've been living with and if you take that away like you worry about me dying of diabetes if you take away my thyroid hormones that is going to impact me Mm -hmm. right so they were just so high-handed and so I'm having this big screaming match and I'm I'm saying okay well they were screaming I was trying to stay calm um I was saying all right if this is type 1 diabetes, it's autoimmune, show me the antibodies. Show me the antibodies and I'll believe you. And then oh, 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 I will have to run a test for that. Yes, you will. And like so you normally do for everything. That, that will take, you know, about five days. Um, so does it really take five days? 
But the interesting thing was because they would they wouldn't give me that proof, and because I felt like okay, just just get my bowel working, and my bowel started working again. And I'm like, why is nobody doing anything about my bowel? Um, that right because that's again. that's a problem too. Yeah, yeah, being well, obstru- an obstruction. Pool, yeah, you can't eat, right? There's nothing not, nothing able to go through. Um, so I went home, and because they hadn't proved to me that I had diabetes, I stopped taking insulin, right? Because insulin is not a, um, oh, what do you call it? Um, it does things, right? So if you're taking insulin when there's no need to take insulin, that can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like there's people that get hold of other people's insulin to commit suicide, all right? Okay. You can kill yourself. Insulin is a very, very powerful drug. Like if I take too much, I will die because my blood sugar will go too low. I'll start having fits and convulsions. I'll go into a coma and I'll die. Insulin That's it. It's a very powerful drug. It's not. It's a very, very powerful drug. So I stopped taking the insulin when I got home because they hadn't proved to me that I had type 1 diabetes and my bowel seemed to be working and I was feeling better. And so I went with my own doctor. We did some follow-up tests. And as a result of that, she said, look, your your blood sugar's gone back up high. I want you in hospital. You know, we need to get you stabilised. And I was like, okay. And it was only in hospital as I was getting um, these very snarky doctors came in and said, why did you stop taking your insulin? And I said, because you hadn't given me actual proof that I had type 1 diabetes. And they said, oh, well, you've got the antibodies. And I was like, what? Why am I just hearing about this now? And they the one the piece antibodies. of evidence you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell and you. What I was really angry about is, like, how long had they been sitting on that information? Because I'd been at home for three weeks. Oh. Why didn't they send that to my own doctor? My own doctor would have got that and said, Carrie, get back on the insulin straight away. You've got this. I'll send you a copy of your results. You've got type 1 diabetes. And that's the other big issue we face, right? You don't get that help and support that you need. And often you get medical gaslighting, you get bullying, you get condescended to, you get yelled at, you get told it's all in your head, you get told be a good little girl and just do what we're telling you to do or take this drug or medication even if you know it's causing you issues or that's not you know that it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing so you just get this complete lack of support and the fact that you know then on a 61 year old woman um weighing you know way less than 100 pounds incredibly frail is being bullied and yelled at by five people when i'm in intensive care unit is absolutely appalling like this is how you get treated if you dare to voice an opinion or want to be treated as a reasonably intelligent human being and take some sort of ownership of your condition and as I said to the endocrinologist in there because I avoid endocrinologists like the plague right because every thyroid forum I've been in every client that I have that's had anything to do with the endocrine system says endocrinologists are the worst. Just when you're feeling great, they will cut down your thyroid medications because they look at your test results and say, oh, no, now you're going hyperthyroid. They don't listen to you or they keep you on low doses because they're ruled by the TSH and, you know, they don't, they don't listen to you. They look at a bunch of tests and say, oh, yeah, 
okay, that's that's what needs to happen regardless of how you're feeling. So you get treated like a child and the decisions that they make keep you sick and disabled and in misery and you can't participate in your own life. And so I, I basically said to them, look, you, you guys, you did nothing for me. I got myself from disabled six years ago with everything that I have done. None of you helped. That was all me. I know how to manage my diseases. I'm a very intelligent, determined person. So if you mm -hmm. want to work with me, speak to me like that. And at one stage, I basically told them all to go and oh my gosh, enjoy I themselves. Can, I can totally yeah. picture you saying that. Yeah, I, I can too. It. And I don't want to work with you and I don't want to talk to you. Like, get out. I said, this is harassment. You are not helping me. Look at me. You know, look at me. I am I am desperately ill and you are harassing me. Mm -hmm. So get out. Well, I'm glad that you're sharing that yeah. for yeah. people here. It's a great example of, yes, it can be hard to advocate for yourself. Not all doctors make it easy to advocate for yourself. Most make it very challenging. But I think that, Carrie, just sharing that story shows that it really can help make a difference if you have to, to stand up for yourself mm -hmm. and you just got to do it. And, um, one thing I wanted to ask you is you've kind of mentioned these tools that you have that have helped you get through to all the crap you've been through and have been able to help you manage your illnesses and be able to live a life that's not fully at least at every moment, every day, determined by your illness. Could you give our listeners maybe a little preview or a little quick tidbit on what some of those tools are? Pardon the interruption, but Cassie and I want to make sure that you know about this amazing resource that we are so excited to be able to offer you guys. We put our heads together and Cassie and I created our Mastering Energy Management Workbook. It is a 21-day workbook designed to get you in touch with your energy, what you really want in your life, and then give you tools to actually make that freaking happen. Cassie and I have gone through this process ourselves multiple times, and each time we learn something new and we get a little bit more in touch with ourselves and our energy levels. You can find our workbook on Amazon for either a Kindle copy or a paperback copy. And the link will be in the show notes. We also have 21 days of podcasts going through each day of the workbook. So if you want to get an idea of what we're talking about, make sure to check those out on our podcast. Now back to the show. Yeah, sure. Um, I think the first thing that people really struggle with is accepting chronic illness because people confuse acceptance with giving up. And one of the interesting memes that or the themes that I saw when I first became chronically ill was the whole concept of um, a chronic illness warrior. And that never resonated with me. Um, if it works for you, that is fantastic because you've got to find something that works with you. But because of the way that I work and because of my understanding of how the mind works, when you set something up as the adversary, you are treating it as the enemy, which means that you're keeping yourself in a state of fight, flight or freeze, right? And what we know about any sort of disease and especially autoimmune diseases is that stress is the biggest contributor 
to autoimmune flares. And what they all say unequivocally is you've got to learn to manage your stress. And so accepting and owning where you are, that is key. And as I said, a lot of people won't do that because they think if I stop fighting the illness, I will give up and I'll do nothing and I'll, it'll take me over and I'll have no life, I'll have no chance, I'll have no hope and I'll just go down and down and down. And, and that for me is the opposite of what acceptance is because mindset is everything, all right, when it comes, especially when it comes to chronic illness because of the uncertainty, because you can't depend on the medical system, because you've got to be your own advocate, you've got to be your own dietitian, you've got to be your own researcher, you've got to be you know, your own therapist, everything. You've got to do these things for yourself. And you can either see that as an opportunity or you can see that as, as a huge load that you have to carry. And you accompany that with the fact that most people, even the ones who love you the most, can't understand it because they're not experiencing it. Like you guys said, I look really well. Mm-hmm. I look really well. And I am a very healthy, chronically ill person. <laughs> Um, but so there's no signs apart from if you saw me checking my blood or or injecting myself that I have any sort of illness at all. So we face all this constant disbelief, constant undermining. You hear things like, oh, it's all in your head or, oh, you're just lazy or you're using that as an excuse or it can't be that bad, um, as you say it is. And are you still sick? Like, I, I thought you were better. I saw you on Instagram last week and you were out, you know, like what's wrong with you now? So people don't understand that chronic illness aspect. And so acceptance for me is empowering because it, it's dealing with reality. So, so many people get stuck in why, like why did this happen to me? What did I do? We want to look for blame. We want to look for the reason. We want to have that closure, that understanding that you're never going to get that because The reason that you end up with autoimmune disease is so complex and there's so many factors and there's so many triggers and it is individual for everyone once you finally reach that point where your immune system gets turned on and it won't turn off and it starts attacking whatever part of the body that it is. So the why is irrelevant. But now that I've got it, and that's the attitude that I've taken, now that I've got it, it is up to me. Mm-hmm. It's up to me. No one is going to save me. No one is going to take me by the hand and lead me down the path. It is up to me. And 99% of what I've done to improve my health is from me. It's by yeah. the changes I've made. It's by my attitude towards it. It's by me Mm -hmm. setting a whole lot of new boundaries. It's about me saying I am the most important person in my life. And it has to be that way because if it's not that way, everybody I love gets the impact of me being sick. And they've seen that. They've seen me. Like my kids have had to see me near death in hospital, right? That's been a huge thing for them and my family. Um, and when you get really ill, as I'm sure you girls know, it's it's a worrying, like people get really worried. Yeah. And so they've also seen me rise and they've seen me come back. And so 
when I look after me, when I put my needs first, and I'm not talking about arrogance or narcissism, I'm talking about the fact that my energy is gold. That is that is how I, I live, right? I don't have any financial support. If I don't work, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, I don't I can't pay the bills. Like I've been in a position twice from chronic illness where I couldn't work. And I had to rely on my savings. And if it wasn't for my family helping me financially, I probably would have gone bankrupt, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't, you know, there's no, nothing that's going to save you. And that's the scary thing, right? So I knew it was up to me. All my doctor does for me is she runs the tests that I would like her to run, which is wonderful, and that is huge. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, God, I wish. I wish I had a doctor who listened. Um, and she prescribes what I need, which is now, you know, my my um, thyroid replacement and my insulin. Um, yeah. That's it. Like that's, that's the yeah. extent of what medicine can do. I'm in charge of all of the rest. And so when I look after me and I put myself first and – I'm able to say, yep, that deserves my energy and that doesn't, or I'm not going to worry about future things. I'm mm -hmm. going to stay in the moment and I know how to reassure myself. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't get sad. Or I don't get angry. I don't get overwhelmed. I get all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. It just means I don't stay there. Yeah. You don't stay there. Right. I, I, I am so glad that we did not reschedule you today <laughs> with me being sick, you know, because this was, I, there was a moment there that I really was tearing up and I was like, okay, chill out. But a couple of things, cause I know that we have to wrap up. Um, everything you're saying is, is, is gold. I like, kind of want everyone to go back and re-listen to the last five minutes of everything. I, you seriously. Said, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. And I just want to share that that mindset aspect that you're talking about, that that is up to you. That is so true. Um, our very first guest interview with, was with Nitika Chopra. And this was now what, nine months ago or 10 months ago. And I asked her in a question and I thought this was like a really good question. And I was like, how do you, um, how do you live your life around your chronic illness, you know, and do all the things you want to do? And her answer was, I don't think I do do that. I think I've designed my life in a way that I feel my healthiest every day. And I was just like, uh, what, <laughs> you know, and it was a huge moment for me because I had spent years leading up to that point of like, I have to figure out how to create my life around this illness. I've got it kind of like accept it and it's in the middle and I'm going to do everything I can around it. But when she put it like that, it was like, wait a second, I can live all of my life with this illness. I can choose to look at it in certain ways. And it was a huge moment for me. And it made me think of that while you were sharing the importance of mindset and, um, really quick as well, you mentioned that you were writing a book, um, before you got your illness. I really hope that you write a book post chronic illness that, you know, coming up because I can't imagine the gold and, or I can't imagine the gold and the treasure that would be in that mm -hmm. book. And you, clearly have so much wisdom and perspective and tools and support and compassion and understanding that I want you to write a book so I can read it over and over again. 
and recommend it to everybody because everything you said, I was just sitting here like, yes. And today of all the days was really one of the days that I needed to hear all of that Mm -hmm. and feel that understanding um, and know that there's people out there that get it and that can help and that are advocating for all of us to live an incredible quality of life, which we absolutely can do. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so grateful for you coming on the show. I'm so glad that I didn't let my illness make me cancel today. And I was like, no. And one of the reasons was because Chelsea knows I tell her all the time. I always feel better after we do our interviews and mm-hmm. kind of like get out of my head and talk about it. And I don't push it down that I feel like crap. And I tell our guests, I always feel better. So I'm just, and this is why community and connection. Okay, Chelsea, sorry. I <laughs> well, I'm saying, because Carrie, you're so amazing. I want to make sure our listeners have a chance to connect with you. Where can they find you on the internet? So they can find me on Instagram and on Facebook as Emotional Autoimmunity. And that's also my website. So it's emotionalautoimmunity.com. And I offer everybody around the world that can fit in with the time zone with me a free discovery session. So that's 25 minutes on Zoom. And just talk about what your emotional issues are. And I'll tell you which of my therapy programs, as I don't do traditional talk-based therapy, that for me is... I mean, having understanding and insight about an issue without having the tools to do something about it is basically a waste of time <laughs> for me. I'm a very practical person. I'm also a clinical hypnotherapist, counsellor and a coach. So I specialised in removing the trauma of first. So I've worked with a lot of people with PTSD and chronic illness does cause trauma. That's the last thing that I want to add because a lot of people think that PTSD is something that happens to people like soldiers or police or or things like that. It's not. The process of becoming chronically ill is traumatic and it can cause PTSD, especially, you know, if you've had to have, like I imagine, Cassie, you've probably had multiple hospital visits and things like that. If something goes wrong, you receive bad treatment, that creates trauma. Um, Having to go back to hospital creates a lot of anxiety being gaslighted all of those different sorts of things so you can book that in with me through my facebook page of emotional autoimmunity or go to emotionalautoimmunity.com and that's completely free it's no obligation i don't ask for commitment on the spot i just give you the information and you go away and think about it and if it sounds like something that's for you then um you just email me back and say yep let's get started so that's basically what I do is help people get from that trauma that overwhelm that you know like what do I do the grief and all of that to coming out feeling empowered so that you've got all the tools and skills that I do and you're able to as you were saying Cassie like chronic illness has got to become part of your life it doesn't define who I am but it's certainly part of who I am right Mm -hmm. it's a reality of my life and if you treat it factually like that I don't apologize for it I don't make excuses about it like it's not my fault yeah I didn't ask for this to happen to me um so I have nothing to apologize for exactly the same as if I'd been in an accident in a wheelchair right just because you can't see it doesn't make it just as impactful and if you just treat it that way that's practical 
this is just what you need to do, this is what you need to do to live as well as you can and that is your responsibility, then why should you apologise for that? I love all this so much. I know. Carrie, thank you so much for getting up just a little bit earlier in your morning to chat with us. Thank you. This talk has been amazing. Your story is amazing. Thank you for sharing it. And seriously, listeners, go back and listen to the last like five or 10 minutes of this again. It's mm-hmm. just so good. So thank you so much, Carrie. We thank so you, Carrie. It. Thanks for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Spoonie Hub. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite or on our website, mywellnesshub.co, where you can find all sorts of resources and you can find the Spoonie Hub. Talk to you soon.